Here's a practice in surrender. Often we're walking around being like, I, you know, I have to do this, I need this, I need this. And the simplicity is that when we actually stop controlling, stop trying, stop pushing, we get out of the way and we allow what is of the highest good to be revealed. Let's dive into the universe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm thinking about how spiritual awakening, I feel like, has been, became a bit more mainstream. You see it everywhere. You hear it everywhere. Or maybe that's my algorithm. I don't know. But social media definitely brought it to the forefront. And I think COVID as well helped, you know, push it forward. But you were definitely one of the first people I heard bringing this concept into people's lives in a very practical and attainable way. But if I have to think about what I keep hearing today, which is again, this like the universe and how we need to surrender, I feel like because it became so mainstream, uh, some of that power, some of that understanding is getting diluted a little bit. So I want to do a little spirituality 101 yeah and ask you how do you define the universe what a nice place to start and i i do agree with you that the conversation on spirituality is definitely diluted but better trend than you know haters right mm-hmm. so it's like a nice yeah. it's a nice it's a nice balance but nevertheless i think that uh, anything that leads people to start to lean into more uh positive thinking and Motivated, motivational ways of living, I think, is definitely a good thing. But I do th- hold my spiritual faith very close to my heart. And I believe that what people resonate with most about the way that I teach is that, yes, it is demystifying and translating, but it's also integrated. Mm. So it's not—I'm not just saying words. I'm not just putting out a concept and th- that sounds good. There is an energetic resonance. And it's not so much about what you say, it's about what you believe behind what you say. So if you are asking me, what does the universe mean to me? I have a faith statement, which is that the universe is an ever-present energy of love that is within me and around me, supporting me and guiding me. Mm -hmm. And that ever-present energy of love is within all of us. It's actually our birthright. It's who we are. It's a connection that never leaves us. But when we enter this world, we have a lot of experiences that are negative or fear-based or traumatic, and they just build up these walls against that presence of that truth. And so as a spiritual teacher and a self-help book author, my job is to just release the blocks to the presence of that power within you. Yeah. You don't have to go get it. You have it. You just have to remember. Was it difficult for you to explain the concept in the beginning of your journey? Because uh, I feel like we need, you know, the way we operate, like our brains needs like labels. It needs to be, okay, is this faith? Is this God? Is it religion? You know, the what am I believing in? Yeah. I've always taught from a place of where I am and mm-hmm. what I believe at that time. So what I taught 15, 18 years ago when I was 25 for starting out in this career I was possibly, you know, saying like, oh, we have this pink cloud. And like, I remember <laughs> I, like, at my first talk, I had a PowerPoint. I never had a PowerPoint from that point forward. <laughs> but there was like literally a PowerPoint presentation with a pink cloud, <laughs> you know. And it was just like translating it in the way that people might have understood it then. And if you look at my first book to my latest, my 10th book, it's like mm. completely different, but it's where I was. And I've continuously 
taught and spoken on behalf of my own spiritual condition. And so if you were to read me now, based on where I am today, you'd be, it's clearer, it's easier to understand, but it's also deeper. Mm. So... I was never afraid to to come out and speak my truth. That the for me, I was much more afraid not to. There's a quote that I often recite, which is this this Joan of Arc quote, which is, "I am not afraid. I was born to do this." Mm. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. How did you manage to build the bridge, or even today? You know, when a person is ready or wants to tap into that, how do you? Now, from where you stand, explain the concept of just letting the universe have your back. I mean, yeah. which was which one's my favorite books from you? I think that I, that is my my most popular book, and I, I probably have to rewrite an introduction to it to to re elevate it out in a newer age. I believe that when people come to this with a willingness and a desire to know more, that's the bridge. That's all you need to open the door to a way of living that is different. So if someone's watching us right now and they saw the title of this that said, you know, the universe has your back or something with spirituality or whatever the algorithm fed them, they have said yes to wanting to know more. That's all that's required. That Mm -hmm. is the first step is just being willing and having the desire. Which is having the desire. Um, I heard you say before that you have difficult time with control in your life. And it resonated very much with me and probably with most people. I think that we have this... Um, interesting concept of control, thinking that we have it at all times. And I pride myself of being a person that I'm in tune with myself. I'm very aware. So I thought I had it figured out when it comes to control. I thought that, you know, I know when to let go. And I had this incident a month ago. I went uh, to a concert with my friends and we were just in an environment that was a little bit different for me. And all of a sudden, I've noticed myself just trying to like grasp for something, you know, I'm just like, oh, we need to behave a certain way. We need to, you know, people are looking at us like there was this panic that came out as anxiety. Obviously, we realize it multiple times throughout our lives that there's still so much work to be done. But I've realized that that aspect of control still controls me. Yeah. And I was wondering to hear your experience, if you have like a vivid memory or experience that you had that kind of put a light on, oh my God, I have an issue with that. Yeah. Did you feel like you were triggered in that situation? It was a lot of anxiety. It was just a lot of like, like, how can I, you know, how can I control the situation? My response, people's response, my friend's response. Okay. So something in that triggered a part of you that needed to be in control. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way I perceive this. I think that we all have these kind of like wounded little children inside of us that had these experiences that were not great as a kid or whatever might have happened to us in our life, big, big T or small T trauma, whatever that might be. It could mm-hmm. be like someone told you were stupid or whatever it was, or it could be much bigger. And we have these ways of protecting ourselves to not have to face into those feelings. And sometimes when they're triggered, anxiety or fear or control can spike up and it'll spike up to try to numb out the deeper feelings or the bigger trigger underneath it. And so it's possible that that controlling and that anxiety came up as a protection mechanism. 
mm-hmm. for something that might have just been activated inside. So if you even don't know what that is, you know, it's just something to bring to often to I our. I mean, it's Pandora's box. Like I'm, I, I feel it reminded me that's like, oh, I have more to Great. look into. <laughs> that, and then that's beautiful because I think that when we see our uh, moments of discomfort through the lens of possibly changing or the possibility of growth or the transformational door opening, then we don't have to be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And there's purpose. Do you have a personal experience in mind where... Yeah, many. Many. <laughs> but like the first, that if you think about it, that's that was the beginning of your journey of like diving there. My journey has been beginning and beginning and beginning mm-hmm. year after year after year. I believe that one of the big moments in my life was actually when I was 36 years old and a decade into this work and 10 years sober at that time, or maybe more actually. And I had a dream and I remembered an experience from my childhood that was an experience of abuse that I dissociated from. It was something that was completely out of my mind completely. And it came to me in a dream. And when I woke up from that dream, it was the most real I have ever felt. It was so affirming and terrifying and upon fully accepting that dream and realizing that that is this truth that I, my brain checked out from, literally Mm -hmm. blocked, that began a really big journey of trauma recovery and undoing fears and really reclaiming my spiritual faith. And that, I wrote a whole book about that, which is called Happy Days. And it's the guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. And it's a, it's a big one. That's a big one. The journey of recovering from trauma, does it ever end? Yes. I mean, end, I think it's transmuted and it's like the phoenix rising. It's still part of your story. It becomes a burden that turns into a healing. That is truly what I believe. And that has been my journey and my experience. I am, uh, since so it's, it was like almost eight years into my trauma recovery, full-blown conscious trauma recovery, right? It's like I wasn't aware of this trauma got sober a decade prior, so that was the beginning of it, but this is the conscious conscious awareness of it and showing up for it and doing all the therapeutic and spiritual practices to heal. And I believe that I am, my nervous system is in a really good place. I have a lot of faith. It's a lot of work. It's not a small thing. But that's why I wrote that book, because I didn't want to write that book or publish that book or put my face on the cover of that book until mm-hmm. I could live to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's only gotten better and better and better since that book came out two years ago. But or a year and a half, two years, yeah, I think it's two years ago. And I just commit, commit, commit. And we're talking about the idea of losing control, um, which has a negative connotation to it. But then there's also this conversation around being able to let go that has a positive connotation to it. So how do you differentiate the two? Like, how can people identify when it's this or that? I think losing control and letting go of control are two different things. Mm -hmm. Losing control to me is like we become so overwhelmed by some kind of emotion or some kind of experience that's triggered that we lose control of our thoughts, our feelings, and become so blended with that feeling that's so deep that we kind of lose control, right? So losing control could look like lashing out or being rude or whatever it is that comes out of you or any human. Letting go of control 
is an act of surrender. Letting go of control to me looks like throwing your hands in the air and saying, oh, well, show me a better way. There has to be a better way. This isn't working. Show me a new direction. And I think that that difference is really, really extreme. So understanding and recognizing that that when we let go and allow and surrender, then we are saying to the universe, show me what to do. We're saying to a higher power of our own understanding, show me where to go and what to say. And really getting out of our own way. Mm -hmm. Now, if I get in front of an audience of a thousand people and I'm like, okay, everybody let go, they're all going to be like, you. Because <laughs> I mean, it sounds a bit like... It sounds great, right? Yeah. The good news is, is I've written 10 books and w multiple chapters throughout those books about the practice of surrender. And for me, surrender is one... Well, there's one chapter in my book, Super Attractor, when you think you've surrendered, surrender more. Mm -hmm. Might be in the universe has your back. I can't remember. But if, if, when you think you've surrendered, surrender more. I think that the way we surrender is we surrender daily. It's not a one-time thing. It's waking up in the morning and saying, okay, universe, God, whoever you speak to, take this day from me. Show me what miracles you might have me perform today. Just, mm. I put my day in your hands. And that humility of recognizing that there is something bigger than us is a transformational way of living. And for me, God, I mean, it's very integrated now. I've been 18 years clean and sober, developing a spiritual practice for nearly 40 years. And I'm just, I'm, my whole life, my mom taught me how to meditate when I was like five, right? So, wow. yeah, so I've, I've had a spiritual development for a very long time. And I'm not like, no, I'm, I'm 44 years old. <laughs> That's Next amazing. week, I'm 44, yeah. Wow, yeah. happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and so I think that the the repetition of prayer, the repetition of that humble surrender for every day for at least the last 18 years has given me the gift of knowing that there is a higher power guiding me. It requires this deep self-awareness, yes. right? To know when it's surrendering or when it's a bit of a giving up, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not a giving up. It's a giving over. Mm. So giving up is saying, I can't do this. I'm going to... And sometimes in those moments when we give up, we are giving over. Because we are like, I can't do it anymore. And then consciously or unconsciously, we're saying, all right, take this from me, right? It's like, you know, if you've been controlling a relationship forever and then you just say like, oh, I'm giving up, I'm going to, and that's when the partner's like, well, we, you know, like this could be us, right? Or whatever it is, or, or, or not, or just meet somebody different or whatever it is. It all kind of falls into place when you give it up. And there's this beautiful prayer I love, which is the secret to prayer is to forget what you think you need. And as we start to One recognize, second, let me, I'll let say me that again this. for you. Yes. The secret to prayer is to forget what you think you need. Because often we're walking around being like, I, you know, I have to do this. I need this. I need this. And the simplicity is that when we actually stop controlling, stop trying, stop pushing, we get out of the way and we allow what is of the highest good to be revealed. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a practice in surrender. Instead of praying for what you think you need, pray for what is of the highest good for all. I think I have it. I wrote down that quote here. Yeah. Because it really touched me. It's a whole different approach. Um, and to your point, it gets you to this place of thinking of something bigger than yourself, right? Wanting something bigger than yourself. That's extremely powerful. But with that surrender comes 
also anxiety, right? Because we've been programmed in a way, again, to have this interesting concept of control, thinking that we're constantly in control. And it triggers a lot of that anxiety. How do you approach that? We think that if we're not in control, we're not safe. Yeah. So that can really get you hooked into that belief system that I have to stay in control to feel comfortable, feel safe. And so then when we let go of that control, even slightly or even contemplate it, the anxiety will start to rub up. The work there is real deep. That's deep work. That's work. That's therapeutic work. That's work that that you can do with my books. You can open that door with my books. You might take it further with a therapy or not. Depends mm-hmm. on your own journey. But uh, the latest book I'm writing right now is all about this. It's about facing into the parts of ourselves that feel so intertwined with the belief systems that mm. if I'm not in control, I can't survive or anxiety has to run the show in order for me to get things done or I'm not good enough or whatever those beliefs are that are just driving us crazy and running our lives. Those are beliefs that are young. They do not need to be shut down or shamed or blamed. They deserve our attention, our focus, our commitment, our compassion. And this new book I'm writing is all about that. So give me a scenario of what it looks like. Because when you use words as it requires your attention or curiosity or compassion, I don't even know, and I'm sure most people don't even know how to act on those words, right, when it comes Mm -hmm. to anxiety. So give me like an experience. I'll give you the steps that are in the new book. My new Mm -hmm. book is called Self-Help. It's going to be out in December of 24, Mm -hmm. really 25. But I have a process in it that is uh, based on a therapy called internal family systems therapy. And the process is an inquiry. It's a, this is IFS is what it's called, but it's IFS informed. I'm not doing IFS. It's a very deep therapeutic process. I'm trained in it, but I don't do it one-on-one. So what I'm doing is taking the, the themes and the belief systems of IFS and putting them into a truncated process so that people can use it as self-help. And so the title is called self-help. I love it catchy. It's, yeah, it's quite <laughs> catchy. We know what it is. Yeah. So the first step is to choose to check inward. So you're having anxiety, and instead of overriding that anxiety or pushing past it or numbing it out with a drink or whatever, you would choose to check in with it. So it's just making a conscious choice to focus your attention inward. And the next step is to become curious about it. Okay, so where do you live in my body what, what, do you, what do you feel? The physical aspect. The somatic of it. experience of it. Mm. So where is it in my throat? Is it, does it have a color? Does it have a shape? And then also any thoughts or visions or memories that come up around that feeling. How old are you? Are you? Do you have a gender? How long have you been around? Are there any images that go along with your presence in my body, in my, in my mind? And just opening up curiosity and curiosity and just starting to connect inward with that part through curiosity. And that part being the anxiety. And then the third step is to consciously and most importantly, compassionately connect with that part of you. So through compassion, you can simply say to that anxiety, what do you need right now? How can I help you? What do you need? And the anxiety will speak back. The anxiety will say something like, I need a break. I need to walk away. I need to meditate. I need to call my sister. I need need a hug from someone that I love. I need to ask for what I want. That will come through naturally. And then you would do the fourth step, which is check for these C qualities. Check inside and see if you notice any compassion or connection or clarity, commitment, 
and a calmness in your body because those qualities of those C qualities in IFS therapy are known as self with a capital S. And self is that ever-present energy of love that is within you and around mm. you. That self is the universe. That self is the God within you. It is the internal parent inside of you. It is that resourced part of who you are. And so the fourth step would be checking for those qualities because the moment that you even say to yourself, well, I feel a little bit more calm, you know that self-energy has entered in. Mm -hmm. And so that practice, those four steps, repeated, 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 become a constant inquiry inward rather than overriding and overriding and pushing past and avoiding and numbing the discomfort. It's connecting to it compassionately with curiosity and a commitment and a calm energy. Do you feel we've ever had that, like us as humans, did we ever experience that? Or does this require a new, a whole new rewiring of our systems within? It, it is a rewiring. It's not what the world has taught us. You know, not every person is growing up like my son is with a mother who writes 10 self-help books and is committed to mm. personal development. Like all, my son... My son will have his own issues, whatever they may be. Oh, you all have issues, right? But but, but he at least is growing up with this dialogue. Most people did not have Gabby Bernstein as their mother. So growing up, we did not have, our parents didn't have the resources, the awareness, or the understanding, nor did we. So there's a handful of people out there that grew up with these, you know, conscious parents. But then there's plenty that didn't. And those of us who didn't have a lot of undoing. And I, I like to say it like uh, unlearning fear and remembering love. Unknowing fear and remembering love. Unlearning the Unlearning. fear. I like unknowing too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unlearning it, you forget it, that it was yeah. there. Yeah. I always think about it with my kids. I'm, you know, raising three boys and thinking about what I'm bringing from my own experience and what my husband is bringing from his own experience. It's, you can get into your own head a little bit. And with conscious parenting, I mean, that's an added work that is required from us to undo and unlearn and then also not, uh, you know. Replay. Exactly, which is. Well, the, the best step towards conscious parenting is consciously parenting yourself, mm -hmm. reparenting yourself. In my book, Happy Days, I have a whole chapter called Reparenting Yourself. It's necessary. I'm sure. That requires a lot of accountability, no, like self-accountability. Yeah, but I think that we can look at these situations and be like, oh, my God, this is so much work or it's going to take for 10 years. And my whole mission in the books that I write in my coaching membership app, it's like all these things that I put out into the world are to democratize and demystify and translate spiritual principles and therapeutic principles for the masses. Because that hang up of like, oh, this is going to be decades of therapy. I can't afford therapy. I don't have time for therapy, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. That's going to stop someone from the miracle. That's going to block the miracle. But in those moments when we say yes and we say, okay, I'm going to open that book or I'm going to open the Gabby Coaching Membership app and I'm going to do a practice today or do a meditation with her or do a coaching lesson, those small actions are the miracle moments. Mm -hmm. Actually, inside my coaching membership, one of the things I wanted to do was put in a streak in there so you can see your streak. I love those. But the streak isn't like, oh, I did a 10-minute meditation or I did. The streak is like, I opened the app today is my, I get the streak. Mm. But opening that membership and I'm you know, just consciously choosing to open it. By opening it, you're going to hear my voice repeat an affirmation to you. That small action is enough to get your streak. 
And I wanted to ask you about the app because it's launching. It's out. It's, it's here. out already. Yeah, I'm give it to you. Give Amazing. To I'm very yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, because again, I think you really have a gift of bringing these big, scary concepts into simple ways. The fact that there's even a streak that you opened the app just shows, you know, your intention with it, which yes. is which is absolutely beautiful. But um you answered my question when I wanted to ask you what is the goal with the app. Um and you mentioned that it's just I guess unblocking. It's really designed to democratize personal growth and mm-hmm. spiritual development and my my life's work in the ways that I've interpreted it. It's designed to give people the sense of calmness around their personal development, that it doesn't have to all happen overnight, doesn't have to be expensive hours of therapy, although I do recommend that for anyone who's ready for it. But it can be the beginning can be small actions daily, because just by opening the app and listening to me read an affirmation to you or pressing play on one of the meditations for two minutes is a small action towards your recovery, towards your well-being, towards your happiness. So it's about keeping it simple. It's about being direct and really being there for as many people as possible. Because for decades now, nearly two decades I've been in this field and I've had so many people come to me and say, oh, Gabby, can you be my coach or do you coach privately? No, no, I'm one to many. I don't do that. That's not my gift. My gift is to speak to the masses. But I have the skills and I have the tools and I have 10 books of these topics and messages. And so I decided to be everyone's coach. I can be anyone's coach in their pocket, anytime, anywhere. They just have instant access to me. And the other cool thing is there's a section inside the Gabby Coaching membership app. And I call it a membership because it's a year's, six months or a year's worth of coaching that Mm. you would be saying yes to. And so you're committing up front. But then it's also easy for people to access because it's the price of what would be maybe like an hour and a half of a regular coaching session. You could have me for the year, right? So making it easy for people. And then also saying to them, okay, you can have me in these moments when you're really freaked out. So I got to get you the app because there's a section called Get Gabby. And it's the first, these little Get Gabby moments, they're two or three minutes. And one of the first one is feeling anxious. Mm. Feeling anxious? And you just press a button. And I'm like, okay, I'm with you. And I should carry you through this practice. Can't sleep or don't want to don't want to take an addictive pattern or need a confidence boost or, you know, about to go on a date. Like these very circumstantial moments in our life where we might be out of control or fearful. And I'm right there. Do you, I'm very excited for my Gabby feature. Do you feel like today's need for instant gratification touches every single category, um, as well as like healing and self-development. Do you sense it with people? Do you feel like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think with personal growth and spiritual development, people always wanted instant change. They always wanted like a quick fix. This isn't anything new. It's Mm -hmm. very terrifying to consider. Oh, I have to do all this work. And I don't want people to perceive it as work. I want them to perceive it as something that they're so thrilled to do for themselves, even if it's for a minute. So if you take the pressure off and you're like, oh, this is just meant to be fun. This -hmm. is meant to feel good. This is meant to be small actions that you add up, consistency in those small actions, then it takes the pressure off. You don't have to feel like you're you have to be there okay. next Results year. Results right away. Correct. Yeah. And then you're not forcing yourself or often just overwhelmed and shut it down and stick in the negative patterns. Where I think a lot of people is 
where it's at. I feel like a lot of us feel overwhelmed by even the the teachings out there. You know what I was very curious about? Um, you were talking um, in a previous in a previous book that you wrote. You're talking about better feeling thoughts. Mm. Can you explain that concept to me? Yeah. Well, in Super Attractor, I have this this process of it's called the Choose Again method, and it's witnessing the negative thought that you have on repeat. So notice that thought. Notice how it makes you feel. And then forgiving yourself for having that thought. So saying, oh, like there's that negative thought again, but that's just a thought that I keep thinking. That's not who I am. It's just a belief that I've been carrying. And then the third step is to reach for the next best feeling thought. So if you're in the story of I'm so anxious, I'm so anxious, I'm so anxious, you'd look at that and you say, oh, that's just an anxious feeling. It's not who I am. I forgive myself for having that thought or I forgive that thought. Mm-hmm. And then you'd reach for the next best feeling thought. And you could reach for, well, I just interviewed Gabby yesterday and she gave me some great tools and I can go back and listen to that interview. And I have my yoga practice and I've got my breath work. And I know that if I return to my breath, I always can calm down and feel a bit better. And that, oh, Gabby said I could befriend that anxiety by being curious about it. And you just start guiding yourself from that fear-based thought to a higher vibrational thought that you believe in. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to go from I'm anxious to like, I feel amazing. You're going to guide yourself slowly. Which I guess that I'm anxious and then I feel amazing. Would you call that like the toxic positivity? I would never have called it that before, but I think that's the way to put it. It's toxic positivity or it's just sort of like, you know, gamification of spiritual growth. Mm. It's not a game. It's not a magic trick. It's your conscious choice to develop a muscle inside of you. Mm-hmm. You wrote somewhere, um, I pulled a quote, in my early 20s, I turned my back on my spiritual practice and began looking for self-worth and happiness from the outside world. Um, a lot of your work and teachings are based on the idea of discovering your sense of self and um, and using that confidence to manifest the life that you want. So first of all, I would love to hear how would you personally define the concept of the self, the sense of self? Well, my definition of that is very different today than it might have been 18 years ago. But the self that I have felt deeply connected to is the self I was referring to in IFS, which is the adult, resourced, undamaged part of who we are that's never left us. And it is that energy of calm, calmness and compassion and connection. It's mm-hmm. a creative energy. And it's, a, it's in full alignment. It's an open-hearted energy. It's a fearless energy. And in that space of that self-energy, we have the power within us to resolve that inner conflict, to resolve all the fear-based belief systems that are at odds with one another inside of us. And as we can start to be more in the conflict resolution inside, we start to experience that effortlessly on the outside. Mm. Because it's just a reconditioning of how we perceive issues or fears or feelings. And so developing that self-energy inside of myself has come through spiritual practice. It has come through devotional therapy. It has come through trauma recovery. It's been come through being in a therapy with internal family systems therapy, but then also getting trained in it. So I really understand it on an even deeper level. So just developing, developing, developing the connection to that resourced part of me inside. 
And you you mentioned that the number one manifesting tip is to let go. Um, I feel like with manifestation, it's um, it's another thing where it's like became like a big trend. Mm-hmm. I had an idea of what it meant, and then I started hearing it from everywhere. You know, it's been marketed really nice and cute with a bow on top, and again, kind of diluted the power of it. So, I know you're a big advocate um, or a big teacher of manifestation. How would you say is the right, not even the right, but how is your way to go about manifestation? Well, I believe that the secret to manifesting is to fully surrender inward and to do the deep work on yourself. A lot of people say, oh, just dream this and believe this. And I'm like, hmm. Actually, what you believe you will manifest. Mm. So while you think that you're thinking a thought enough times to believe something different, you're not. The beliefs are deeply ingrained inside of you. And so just having a vision board or a reformation can help, but it's not enough. So I have this, I mentioned happy days a few times, but I've written books like Universe Has Your Back or Super Attractor. They're all on manifesting. But then I wrote this book, Happy Days, and it was about trauma. And people were like, oh, it's not as sexy as manifesting. And like, of course, the universe has your back has sold way more copies than Happy Days. <laughs> yeah. But what I've said very publicly is that Happy Days is my greatest manifesting book of all. Because when you do that inner work, mm. you develop a greater sense of self inside and you return to what I call your super attractor power. Because what's most attractive, what's most resonant with the world, the universal energy is your calmness, is your connection, is your presence, is your open heart, not Mm. how cool you think you are, how often you say an affirmation. I love that with your work, um, as you keep sharing your thoughts and beliefs and release more books, it feels like you started from the surface and every book goes deeper and deeper and deeper deeper. and deeper and deeper. That's right. Well, my books have, my books and all of my work have grown up with me. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. So your next book that's coming out in December 2024 is going to be around... It's called Self-Help. Self-Help. And it's all about that inquiry, those four questions inward, and helping people recognize that they have these different parts of themselves and that that no part of them is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is all based on internal family systems therapy and that they also have an undamaged resource self. And so this this self-help practice that I've included in the book, helps readers get into a daily habitual ritual of just checking in, checking in, becoming, extending compassion and curiosity to these extreme experiences that we have inside. And then if you need extra support, you go to... Go download the, the Gabby app. coaching membership. There's you get, a what is it called? Get trial. a Gabby? Yeah, it's called the Gabby coaching the Gabby membership. Co- I a, love the Gabby Gabby. It's just, yeah, you get more Gabby. <laughs> There's the get Gabby section. Yeah, that's what the I was app. referring yes. to. Um, but the app is called, uh, if you just go to the Apple store, it's Gabby coaching. Mm-hmm. And if you type that in, it'll come right up. And they can try seven days free. And the first seven days are designed to really give you like almost like a mini manifesting challenge where you just take seven days of manifesting practices. Mm. And... From there, decide if you want more. It's I love it. Like It's like hundreds of hours of meditations and workshops and weekly coaching. And you also have a podcast. Dear Gabby is my podcast. That's right. Love it. Okay, so everyone could and should get a Gabby on I, all platforms. I wouldn't say should. I would say, you know, get Gabby if you're resonating. If you're here at the end of this conversation and you want to know more, then mm. I'm there. If you're ready get Gabby. But I, I, I hate to sort of, like, I, I, people are like, is this work forever? The work's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone that wants it. Yeah. Everyone could benefit, but only if they want it. 
If you want it, you're there. If you want it, go get it. Go get Kathy. <laughs> I, love <it. laughs> I love it. Thank you so much Thank for your time, Thank you so much. It was a beautiful Appreciate conversation. It. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't miss my newest episode right here. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, please go and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. I love reading your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, you can leave them in the comment section. And always, always remember, you are not alone.